five to six hours of sleep a night. When you get below that, you average the, the next day, you eat an average of 300 calories or more. What's up, my brothers and sisters? I caught up today with my brother, Brian Veda. He's got a torn meniscus, and so he was trapped in the house. Uh, we went and hung out and chatted. We talked about everything from longevity on the job to uh, diet, nutrition, uh, sleep, and a whole host of other things. Give it a listen and enjoy. Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Rain Gray. Here, we're going to talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The opinions expressed are mine and those of the guest. So, let's get started. Man, it bums me out to see you with your knee in a brace like that. Wow, it's weird. It is, but you know, like I said, it's moving. Like I think I'll be back in at least to light duty in August. I got a follow up this week, and he said six weeks with no driving or no walking is what they wanted, which seemed so. Then I get you know, I start searching, and there's been studies done. You know, so I get on PubMed and that uh, what's the other one? NCBA trend. What are the what they publish? You know, journal uh, articles, peer reviewed articles. Yeah. Weight bearing versus non weight bearing on a meniscus repair is identical on the. Uh, Identical in recovery, and some studies have shown that weight bearing gets better faster, which makes sense because you're moving. You know, I think their right. biggest fear was a compression that could pop some stitches or just cause a delay. But yeah, no difference in weight bearing versus non weight bearing. So I'm like, well, that's all I need to see. Move right. a little bit. I'm not- it makes you wonder, like, if you're seeing strong data on that. Well, it makes me well. Two questions: one, what's the quality of the research that you're reading? Yeah. But also, like, where do these doctors get their their approaches from sometimes they seem very conservative, yeah. right? They take the the ultra conservative approach to go. Well, if there's no difference, then I'm going to have you not weight bear because then I know for sure, yeah, right. The, the chances go down. Yeah, that's what Lisa asked too. She's like, "Well, what, why why are they doing six weeks then?" I'm like, "Well, it's I mean, it's the, the couple studies I found were new last couple of years, mm-hmm. but you know, if that guy trained under a guy who's you know 30 years in the field, he's probably still old school. I'll stay out for six weeks. Right. My physical therapist is the same way. She goes, "You want some ice?" I said, "No." You want ice? I go, nope. I haven't iced it or did I take an ibuprofen? The first couple of days they gave me some at the hospital and then they got off the ibuprofen and the ice. So why would you say no ice? So what does ice do? It compresses it or uh, vasoconstricts, right? Yeah. So if you think about that, all that junk you got trapped up in your knee, all the waste. So if you, two, 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 two reasons I don't ice. One is inflammation I think is, is your body's natural response, right? It's sending the right blood cells, nutrients, everything down there to fix that problem. So I want that. You want the inflammation because that's a, it's a three-step process, inflammation repair model for injuries. Right. So inflammation is the first process. I don't want to stop. I'm not trying to outsmart my body. My body knows what it's trying to do. Second of all, when you ice it, you know, you're trapping all that junk in there. And uh, it can also cause more inflammation due to a backup from the lymphatic system. So your body sees that. So it starts backing up. Uh, what was he saying? The lymphatic system is passive. So it also actually start backing up fluid. Mm. Also, as soon as you rewarm those tissues, the swelling comes right back. So the whole big thing is that uh, Kelly Starrett was a big proponent of it. So I've listened to some podcasts. I read that there's a guy named uh, Gary Reinel. He's the anti-ice man. He's written a couple of books on why, and he's got the data to support it. There's studies going back 10 years where people aren't icing, and they're getting better faster. Uh, he said there's 390 roughly pitchers in the major leagues. Over 200, 200 of them now aren't icing including entire organizations, entire universities, entire sports programs that are off ice. So, so what's the, what's the, uh, rehabilitative modality then moving, 
So, you know, I have a complex unit. Um, so, you know, electric stimulation, same thing, that contract in the muscles kind of, kind of flush that system as well. Yeah. And if you don't have that moving, he says the biggest thing, if you hurt your knees, just, you know, ankle pumps, you know, get that, you know, get just that get junk out of there. Yeah. Going. Yeah. You know, and you think about it when they're doing a deep tissue massage or I've got some of those little, um, like the grass and tools, like the cheap plastic ones where you're yep. doing the scraping and all that stuff is mm-hmm. breaking up all that junk and tissue. So you want to mm-hmm. get it out afterwards. So. Every time I get on PT, I come home, I throw my compacts on, and then I do a lot here at the house. So I'll do my scraping, I'll do compression band, those voodoo floss bands. Uh-huh. So compress it, and I'll just do some range of motion stuff, some extension, some uh, – I was only allowed 90. I think I'm up to a 110 now. I'm getting pretty good on my range of motion on that leg. You know, I'll compress it, do a bunch of cycles where I compress it, do some range of motion, take it off. Uh, same thing, do some flexion, extension, kind of flush all that shit out. So – and my swelling has been, you know, very minimal, and pain's almost none. So what did you have a uh, you had a bucket handle tear of the yeah. meniscus? Nice. Yeah. And you were able to suture it back down. Yeah. And I was so. I mean, it's good and bad. If it was if they would just would have cut it out, I would have been probably back about by the right about now. But down the road, more you know, increased chance for arthritis. Yeah. Yeah, so. I think it depends on how big the bucket handle tear is. Yeah, and how much you have to take out. And he yeah. said it was it's either three or four stitches, so I don't said it was sounds a, minimal. <laughs> that's what I thought, but he said that was a good sized tear. So I'm like, oh, yeah, so I don't know. I guess it depends on on how quickly they can catch it because if they, it, depending on how much damage is done in that meniscus, yeah. so it can get really macerated and then it's not repairable. Then they just got to cut it all out of there, yeah. which is a whole different. Yeah, and you hear stories of guys getting six, sixty, seventy percent of their meniscus taken out. I'm like, oh, right. I mean, that's just a knee replacement down the road. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, it, it's it's going to limit your capacity in the interim. Yeah, because you're you're banging bones potentially. You don't have that padded in there, the padded yeah. joint. Yeah, sounds... I like being active. I can't. Yeah, I don't want. Arth- yeah, I mean, if I'm getting older, arthritis so is what it is. But if I can minimize any chances of you know or slow that process yeah. down. Yeah. Well, you know what I think too that when you're, we think you know you get this injury now and you go okay I'm gonna get back on the road I want to get back on a truck I'm ready to go back to work but you have one opportunity to heal this the right way. Yeah. So, exactly. So taking a little bit of extra time. And um, allowing yourself to um, heal properly, go to rehab, stay off of the truck if you can, stay, you know, have some downtime from work, so to speak. Yeah. So you can focus on rehab, I think is important um, for the long game. You know, we, we, we sometimes sacrifice, um, we sacrifice ourselves for this short, this short gain versus focusing on the long run um, and health over the, over the, you know, the length of our life. Oh, yeah. So we can get back to work. Yeah. I'm in, I mean, I missed that. I missed the guys. I went to the station last week and had lunch. I missed that part of it. But exactly. Like, I'm not, I don't need to get back in a hurry. I'm not, you know, I don't need to get back in the weight room or on the, you know, on the mats quick. I'm not a competitor. Or it's not how I make a living. You right. know, I want to have a nice long career where that stays healthy, you know? Right. So that's, yeah, it is. It, it's hard because I, I want to get back. I, I'll go in the gym and I'm on the machines. I see Colton over there power cleaning and snatching. I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. Right. Yeah, but so like in in two three months you'll be over there doing that. Yeah, which sounds you know when you when you think about it you're like oh my gosh that's such a long time. But when you really pay attention to the when you put it in the context of your whole life you go yeah it's it's nothing no it'll it'll go quick. <laughs> it's already been five weeks and it seems like it just happened. Right. So. Yeah, it goes by fast, man. Pretty soon you'll be like oh it's next year already. Oh, I this is the anniversary of the time I tore my yeah, knee. Exactly. It'll be long. It'll be ancient history. Yeah, that's that's Before what I hope. You know. Oh, well, yeah. Well, now I know you're a, a true mortal. I didn't realize you were, but now I know. I see it. It's bound to happen. I've been, I mean, I've been really lucky. 
but I mean, I've trained hard for, but I mean, I really, before, you know, you know, when we started CrossFit, it was the time I met you and that's, yeah. you know, I mean, I lifted and I ran before that, but nothing crazy. So, I mean, I've been hit it hard for 12 and a half years. Yeah. So it's bound to happen. Well, you know, I, I, and you know, all, uh, all seriousness aside, I, uh, I really feel like injuries are, are signs, scars and injuries are signs of a life well lived. Yeah. You know, you're, you're going to get a certain amount of lashings and a certain amount of bang and bang, getting banged up a little bit. And I think that's totally cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's different on this. I always made fun of the guys at work. Oh, they got hurt. I would, we'd make fun of them and, uh, and then yeah, it happened. <laughs> So I won't be doing that anymore. <laughs> right. Well, a certain amount of mortality creeps in as you age a little yeah. bit. And you're like, whoops, pushed a little too hard for my uh, my old bones. Yep. I hit 43 months before it happened. So. Oh, there you go. That's what had to be. I think that's what it was. That's the breakover. Psychological. That's what happened. Yeah. You're like, I'm 40. Something's going to happen. Something's and it break. did. Yep. <laughs> you, you opened up the pathway for it. <laughs> Dang it. Man. Yeah. Well, uh, what else on your mind? What have you been doing ruminating, sitting around here just ruminating on? Well, the first week and week and a half, I just watched a bunch of TV. <laughs> that was it. Nice. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's good and bad. I mean, summertime's not a bad time to not be on the truck when it's 105 out running calls. Yeah. But it's also, you're stuck inside because it's hot. The kids are home from school. They want to go do stuff. So it's, you know, good and bad. Mm. I spent some good time with the kids, but it's, yeah, just could be doing a lot more fun stuff. Yeah, no um, I haven't hiked, haven't been outside, haven't swam, haven't done any of that kind of stuff. I've, I go in the pool and do some water aerobics and kind of do some, I'll, oh, do, some, that's so I'll do some rehab stuff on my knee and work on a range of motion in the water. But do you go down to the community pool and do yeah. it with the little cotton tops? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I go right down there and I'll sit in there in the, you know, I'll try to get in some, you know, deepish water where it takes a lot of the weight off my knee. So I can practice walking without the brace. I'll work on, you know, some extension flexion drills and just kind of the same stuff they have me do at PT. I just do in the water. Right. So at least it's moving. Yeah. You know, gets me out. Of, gets me out of the house. Gets me in the sun for a little bit. Yeah, you gotta get that vitamin D. Oh yeah, that's good. I've been uh, work lately. We have had a ridiculous brush fire season. Oh yeah, every and, time I drive, I see one in the valley. Yeah, the valley has been burning up, and it's uh, it's it's. You talk about having a an opportunity to be off during the summer. Yeah, <laughs> that's just when you want it, because man, those you know those uh, those brush fires have been tearing us up. Yeah, I saw, I think, two. I went to the station last week, and there was one in the river bottom. And they said, I think that was the same day they had another one up north. There was just everywhere. Yeah, the whole Northwest Valley has been burning, you know, up north of Surprise, Peoria up there, and northeast, like, kind of towards Scottsdale, et cetera, yeah. that whole area. This just, you know, it's been such a wet winter. Yeah. And the first time in years, you know, we're finally having these like big brush fire season. The river bottom has been, the aquifer river bottom has been on fire like all week long. Yeah. And, um, you know, just when you think it's out, then it gets re <laughs> The wind kicks up and it yeah, rekindles. Yeah, I drove by last off week. It goes. four or five spots just going. Yeah. You drive by on the freeway, you can see it. And yeah, it's, it is right. Everything grew. Everything, all that wet, wet winter. Yeah. Our, our washes around here, it's cool for the wildlife. We've seen a ton of wildlife this year. Yeah. But, you walk and you look at it, you're like, that's just a tinderbox. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting dry. Well, it's dried right out. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, I mean, we're almost monsoon season, right? So it should be here real soon, yeah. which will hopefully tamp it down a little bit. But it's been an interesting uh, been an interesting summer so far because of that. Yeah. I haven't, and luckily, you know, being in downtown, like we don't get a lot of brush fires down there. And I, I feel right. for those guys. That's, they're <laughs> on there for a couple hours out in the sun. I mean, that's not fun work. Well, it's interesting because there's little spots in the city. Like you think about where the Salt River runs through, through town. Yeah. Just south of downtown, yep. and there's 
units that are, I would consider like a downtown unit that gets sucked into these river bottom brush fires. And you're like, oh, that's unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, like I'm here to do high rise, not yeah. brush fire, not wildland. So it's, it is, uh, you know, the majority of our work is, is structural, but there are these little areas in our, you know, the periphery of our city and this little swatch that runs through the middle of town, um, on the South side there, that is a, a true, uh, uh, urban interface, you know, where there's exposures to residences and, and, and commercial structures, and, and you've got a thick, brushy river bottom yeah. that's uh, that's really dried out and quite quite an exposure. That river bottom with no water in it, yeah. That, right. Well, it had a little bit of water bit. for a while, and then now it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. We had a big fire, it was probably seven, eight years ago, at the Station 1, and it started off in that river bottom, got up into a... Uh, some pallets that were stored outdoor, those little warehouse right off, right off of, uh, I think it was seventh Ave or central mm-hmm. and got going up with a bunch of pallets. Right. And started off in there and just crept up and it was a good little fire. Yeah. Well, when you look, if you get down that river bottom, you see these giant salt cedars down there. Yeah. And so if that gets going, you can get a lot of, uh, a lot of sparks that come up, even though there's not necessarily a, uh, a direct impingement on structures or whatever, but they get close enough that they could extend into those buildings yeah. and stuff. So it's, um, you know, those, those wildland techniques are something that we're not used to uh, used to spending a lot of time. We don't have a lot of experience with them, so it's yeah. something that we have to uh, be mindful of, you know, the way that we approach them. And, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah, I have zero wildland experience. Mm-hmm. Just from, I think, learning, you know, the one and two academy a little bit, you know, they touch on it here and there, and that's about it. Right. Pictures and, hey, this is what a Pulaski tool looks like. Oh, yeah. Cool. I'm Great. Never seen, seen one, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time. Right. Yeah, we have a, we have a tendency to want to, you know, bring our residential structure fire techniques to the river bottom, for example. And, you know, it just isn't, uh, not appropriate. No, you know? you're not going to be taking a plug, driving down there, pouring a hand line. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little no, bit you gotta be way, you gotta be too, you gotta be more mobile than that. And you've yeah. got to be mindful of, you know, uh, your escape routes and stuff like that. Cause those, that, that brush is so much more volatile than you realize. And it can move way faster than you realize Yeah, if it catches the right wind and, the right fuel and off it goes. Yeah. It's kind of scary. Some of it. Mm. Yeah. Depending on where you're at and yeah, getting to yeah. a bad spot. Yeah. You can't be overcommitted. You know, we've, I think I don't say, I say, I was about to say we, I don't know that we necessarily, but you know, you hear stories about brush trucks and stuff getting overrun because guys will get them in the bad spots. And, um, you know, and you know, what's the number one rule about four wheel drives, you know, the, the better your four-wheel drive, the farther you are before you get stuck. Yeah. So <laughs> they're going to get stuck at some point. You got to be, you got to be mindful of that and really careful. Yeah. Cause those things are not, your not a classic, uh, four by four. No. So way too heavy and, and, uh, water sloshed around in the back. And yeah. Not the best platform for off-roading per se. So you don't want to get yourself too deep in there. Yeah. Luckily, not something we have to deal with no. too much. But yeah, hopefully I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but you said you were uh, you said you wrote down a few things. What do you want to talk about? So we we talked a little bit about last week, just working on the longevity, right? Longevity in the fire service, and you know, keeping us, you know, what keeps us healthy, keeps us on the truck, and you know, that's part of my big thing is I want to stay on the truck for this is my this will be my first go around with light duty. I'm not looking forward to it. You know, 12 and a half years on the job, I've been on the truck the entire time. So, you know, it's really made me think of, hey, how can I, you know, how can I stay healthy and what, what keeps us on the truck? Not yeah. just from my personal stand, you know, my personal viewpoint, but, you know, what keeps guys healthy on, on the truck mentally and physically. Right. So, you know, obviously, 
you know, we talked about last time is this, you know, the, the health and wellness aspect from working out to nutrition, to sleep, all that stuff, I think is huge. And I think that's, you know, up there in the, it's if tied for number one, if not number one for, you know, staying on that truck and keeping longevity over hopefully, you know, a 20, 25 year career in the fire service, you know, staying physically fit, mentally fit, you know, that along with, you know, having a strong support system, mm-hmm. you know, it's a different, different job that we have, you know, the shift work, the stuff that we see our schedules. So, you know, having a strong support system at home, having, you know, the wife that understands and the kids that understand. And, you know, that's huge. If I didn't have that at home, this job would be a lot harder. You know, they, my, my kids are used to it. They get, Hey, we might not celebrate my birthday on my birthday day. We might not celebrate Christmas the day of Christmas. It might be Christmas Eve or the day after. So having that system, you know, support system at home is huge. You know, without that in place, everything else would be tough to do. You know, even the physical, the physical fitness part, the mental, everything else would be tough to do if we didn't have that at home. I think that's huge for me. I mean, you know, you've been on the job for what, come on 20 years now, just over 20, just over 20. So, you know, your wife's used to that. You know, your kids are probably, you know, that's probably all they've known. My, my boy was three months old when I got hired. So it's all he's ever known. Yeah. My son was my, my first kiddo was born in the Academy. Oh, nice. Yeah. So they, my kids have never known anything else either. That, that being said, I still get ridden. My wife's like, don't you have enough seniority to get Christmas off? (laughs) And I'm like, the, this is the little, the little dark secret is I like working on Christmas. Oh, I love it. I love working on holidays. <laughs> and my family, I think they know that now. Especially, you know, especially at where I'm at at Station 1, we've got 15 guys. I think almost everyone, uh, I think everyone at that station has kids. So on Thanksgiving this last year, we worked Thanksgiving. We had probably 40 or 50 people at the station. We had a bounce oh, house out back. Awesome. We had tons of food. The kids were playing. Um, Easter this year was the same way. The kids, we had, he had Easter eggs. We had a dozen kids out back running around looking for Easter eggs. I love working on holidays. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's... It's it's fun. It gets all the families together. You know, the ones you know, we have got some friends on the other side of the valley with you know, our kids don't get to see each other that often. So on holidays it's it's a just a party. It's a That's lot awesome. of fun. Yeah, I do like working. <laughs> yeah. Well and for me, I think about um, you know, Christmas or or well, particularly Christmas. We can celebrate that the day before, the night before, yeah. the the morning early in the morning of or whatever. Like I feel like there's there's ways to um balance that. And and funny you know, when I was young on the job, I didn't have the seniority to get any time off. And that's when my kids were little. Now that my kids are grown and I have the uh, seniority to get time off, now I'd rather not. I'd rather go into work <laughs> and give, you know, somebody else an opportunity yeah. to be off. Um, somebody who's got young kids. So, you know, it's a, a bit of a catch-22, I guess, when it works out in the, the yeah. timeline of your life versus your schedule of seniority. But, um, no, but I think, I love being for me, the number one thing about this job that is of value to me is the opportunity to serve. And so for me going in and serving on a day when it's a holiday and it's, you know, it's perceived as a a greater sacrifice to be there. Yeah. You know, when people are having a tough time during the holidays, it's a great time to be a firefighter. In my opinion, it's a great time to be a public servant. Yeah. You know, so it's a whole different way of looking at it. You know, mm-hmm. most people think of us as a day off, you know, it's like, no, oh, I get to go to work today. Right. I get that opportunity. Right. You know, I get to see friends and family that, you know, I haven't seen in a while. They get to come visit. So I love it. Yeah. It's, it is, it's, it is cool. I definitely do not mind it. Right. So, you know, so you brought, you use the word longevity in a, in a career. And I think about the, I, I like to think of it as like this, this, you know, a, a bicycle wheel 
and all the spokes have to be tuned just right in order for the wheel to be balanced and since turning smoothly, right? But if you have one of those spokes, which is an element of your life, whether it be family or fitness or the way you eat or, you know, your whatever it is, your, your, your volunteerism or your recreation or whatever, any one of those areas of your life is out of balance or is untuned, then the wheel doesn't spin right. Yeah. And I think that we're constantly, you know, sitting there throughout our lives, tuning those spokes, trying to get them tuned in yep. just right if you're paying attention, right? If you're not, you let the wheel go completely yep. taco. It's going to wobble, yep. It's going to go <laughs> off down the road, yeah. Good. That is so, a good way of looking at it, I like that. So how do we, how do, we do that? I think, it just, I think some of it just, you know, it comes with time learning, you know, learning how to balance and what's important and what's not, you know. And then uh, one of my big things is why I like my station. We sit around, we talk all the time. We're always sitting around the tables, you know, just BSing with each other and, you know, mm. bouncing off. You know, how do you guys do this? Or just, you know, whether it's just hanging out, talking smack to each other. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, a lot of it you learn going, you know, over the life of your career, you do learn how to, you know, how to find balance and everything. But it's also talking to guys who who've been doing it for 20 years, you know, Hey, this is my first Christmas. I got to work. What do you guys, how's it work at your house? That's, you know, I think it's where we get a lot of stuff done and figure a lot of stuff out. Right. You know, people who came before us and have dealt with that. Yeah. See how they handled it. And if it's someone that I look up to, there's guys on the job that I look up to that, you know, and I'm like, Hey, this is, you know, he's a good family man. He's good at home. He's got everything in balance. I'm like, cool. That's what I want to be like. Yeah. Not the guy who's on, you know, his third marriage and, out partying all the time and, you know, doesn't get to see his kids. Yeah, that's not who I'm taking advice from. Right. Well, yeah. So I think we, this, this life balance, I think it's a matter of, of, of perspective, right? So who's, I feel like I have my understanding of what that balance looks like for me. And, um, I don't know. I struggle with this because I think everyone has their own way of looking at their life and what's important to them, what they value. And I would hate to try and, you know, you know, assume or cast my values upon somebody else and say, this is how you should be living. But what does, you know, we say, what is healthy, what is healthy relationship with your family? What is a healthy relationship with work and with your personal health, your own, your own personal, um, wellness, you know, what does that look like then responding accordingly? Right. But I think some people have very, I think we can all agree that there are some mechanisms that are very unhealthy, right? So like if you get into a marriage and you are spending all your time at work and you're not building and working on that relationship in any way, shape or form, right? Or you're, you know, you're not sacrificing for your spouse in any way, right? All you do is work, work, work yeah. and over time. And um, I think that's an unhealthy clearly an unhealthy way to live and um you know i think it really it's really important to work with your spouse to find that balance oh yeah you know absolutely like uh uh planes trains and automobiles del griffith said that he goes what did he say he goes i got a theory or uh the motto love your work like your work love your wife Oh, there you go. I so, like I mean, I think it was, it's cheesy, but I love that damn movie. I like I it. make the kids watch that every every year on Thanksgiving. Well, so it's, you know, it, this is something that I think I've, uh, I struggle with at times uh, over the course of my career and uh, over the course of my life, I should say. Yeah. When I got married and my wife hates when I tell the story because it's very, 
uh, it's it's too simple. And she's like, it's not that it's not that simple. <laughs> so the, one of the people who gave us some counsel, old wise man, gave us some counsel and got married. And he said, he said, Rain, if you take care of Anne and you make sure that she never wants for anything, she'll be happy. And and I'm sitting there thinking, wait a minute, what about me? <laughs> right? What about my needs? And he goes, hmm, Anne. If you look out for Rain and take care of all of his needs, he'll never want for anything. And I'm like, oh, it's reciprocal. <laughs> There's reciprocity here. So if she's looking out for me and I'm looking out for her, neither one of us will ever want for anything, right? We'll be we'll be taking care of each other in that relationship. And I, you know, it is clearly a very overly simplified way of stating it. But I find myself getting in the most trouble when I'm selfish. Yeah. Right? When I'm focused on what I want, when I focus on my own needs, et cetera. And I think I've shared this before on the podcast it's somewhere. And, uh, cause it's one of my, one of my fallback things to discuss, I think, because I, because of how important it is, um, and how much I suck at it, <laughs> but that's, that's the real, the, the real key in a relationship is giving of yourself to that other person. Yeah. But man, is that hard to do? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a lot easier said than done. You yeah. Know? But yeah, I think, I mean, that's, that you've been married for how, how long? 27 years. Wow. Congratulations. We're Thank hitting, you. uh, we're hitting 15 this year. So rookie. Yeah. <laughs> Still, it's, you know, it feels, feels like it doesn't feel like that long. It goes by quick. It does go by fast. You know, and we, you know, I don't, it's, we're, you know, we're both, you know, we're both firstborns, selfish kids, you know, so it's kind of hard, but it is, you know, it's a good way to think about it though. You know, make sure they're taken care of first and. If it goes both ways, they'll, you know, between us and the kids, they'll, we'll get it figured out. Yeah. Well, when this little man told me that, I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. And I'm like, yes, yes, good advice. The application of it, though, yeah, it's incredibly hard. <laughs> I, uh, I find myself constantly uh, getting in trouble because I'll be thinking, I'll come home and I'll be thinking about what I want to do. Yeah. Right. I'm not thinking about the family. I'm not, especially coming off work, right? You go to work and you're distracted. You're there for 24 hours. You're completely or, or longer, right? Depending on where you work and you're isolated. You're doing your own thing. You don't have to worry about anybody else. It's just when the tones go off, you get on the truck, you go on calls, you work, you deal with your coworkers and that's it. Right. And then you're on your way home and your family has been doing things around the house or they're working on, they've got their own projects going on and things that they're working on. And you come home and you're like, Hey, I need to eat some good chow, yep. take a nap, and go train jujitsu. Yeah, exactly. And then, but your wife has a whole different agenda, and you're like, "Hold on, that's not my agenda." <laughs> She's like, "I need you to go to the grocery store and do some shopping. I need you to pay the bills, and I need you to, I don't know, whatever Something's else, go clean the, the car. Yeah. yeah, I need you to go clean the car, and you know, whatever. Take care of the babies here. Hold the baby, <laughs> or whatever, depending on where you are and whatever phase of life you're in, right? But the, um, yeah, that's the hardest part." is opening those lines of communication so that you yeah. can. Oh, yeah. You know, I think it, it's one of those things that gets that gets easier with time, I think. You know, I mean, definitely easier now than it was <laughs> 15 years when we first got married. Okay. <laughs> or at least in my head it is. I think I for know. I think everyone works. It gets there differently. Um, yeah, I'm laughing because, uh, I mean, after 27 years of marriage, you'd think I'd have it on lockdown. But, um, you know, it's... 
there's a constant honing of that skill set. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you never master it. It's like, you know. Yeah, you're always learning. Well, yeah. because, and it, well, why is that? Because I think we're always changing, right? Yeah. You're changing, your spouse is changing, your relationship is changing, the world around you is changing. So you're constantly moving with those variables and, you know, you're, you know, you have to check back to home base and be like, okay, where are we at? Yeah. You know, are we still on the same, in the same place? Um, you know, we hear people talk about growing apart. Well, what is that? You know, is that what that is? It's, it's not coming back to home base and checking in and reacquainting yourself. It's allowing yourself to, you know, be influenced by all these outside forces. And suddenly you look back at your spouse, you're like, you're not the same person I thought you were. We're different now. Yeah. But I think it's, that's why it's so important to go on dates with your wife and, you know, go invest time in yeah. your family. Listen carefully to the things that are being said in your household and to, with each other and pay attention to one another. Yeah. Be present. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's something I've been working on. We were talking about, I think, before we started. You know, I took Instagram off my phone. Just, you know, I mean, especially being hurt, I was finding myself sitting on the couch a lot just staring at my phone. And, you know, and I can't tell my kid, you know, I can't tell my son, hey, you know, get off your phone if I'm sitting there on the phone all the time. So, yeah, being present, you know, that kind of goes with that. And that's something I'm working on is, you know, taking some, you know, putting that phone down, being there. Because, you know, shit, he's almost 13. Just remember being, you know, I remember the feeling bringing home from the hospital. It just yeah. goes quick. So. Yeah. No, that's really cool. You know, I, I find some of my most interesting conversations are uh, with my son specifically we get in the car and there's really nothing else to do. Yeah. So we start talking. We're kind of captured in that car, you know, for a period of time. And we end up having some amazing conversations uh, because of that focus yeah. opportunity, you know. It's so easy when you're home to kind of find yourself off doing your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an important thing to do. I like that. There's no distractions. Yeah. We'll do the same. We go on boys trips. You know, we try to at least get one boys trip a year, like a big one. Mm -hmm. um, me and my daughter do the same thing. It is. It's just... No other distractions, you know, work's not there, nothing around the house. We'll just, you know, either they might be small, this might be up north for, you know, the weekend or this yeah. year we went to Seattle for four day, uh, five days. So just stuff like that. It's just time for, yeah, this is good conversations, time to, you know, reconnect and just, you know, not miss that, you know, not miss out on that kind of stuff. Right. Just being present and being with them. Yeah. Well, just like we were talking about, you only get one shot at healing your knee, right, or healing an injury, right? Well, I think you really... <sighs> You don't get a lot of opportunities to build the relationships with the people in your life. And I think it's important that you, you seize those days, you seize those opportunities. You go and you do stuff with your kids. You take them out. You go. I, I, there was a time when my kids were in, I, we were in elementary school and I, I literally, we just played hooky. <laughs> I to, you're not going to school today. They're like, what? I, and I'm, I don't, don't try and tell me you got work you want to try and do. But we just went and took a day and goofed off. Awesome. And um, it was it was awesome. And, uh, I, you know, I cherish those opportunities to do that stuff. I think it's important to, um, not ditch school per se, but it's important to spend time with your family, right? Like you want to have, you want these kiddos to come back when they're all grown up. Well, you know, you want to instill values in them. Yeah. How are you going to do that if you're not, not investing? If you're not energy? around them. Yeah. yeah exactly. You got to put the time in. There's, it's, there's so many other influences with their friends and yes. social media and other stuff that, yeah, I agree. You have to be there. You know, my kids will never get perfect attendance awards. <laughs> you know, we do the same thing. We'll take trips all the time, and yeah. I'll never get a perfect attendance award at work. You know, if I got stuff to do, I want to hang out with the kids. I'm just gonna take that day off. You know, it's more important to me, especially now as they're younger. 
you know, once they're both in college, it's going to be a little bit, you know, a little different, obviously. But, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, you only have one chance. They're young one time. My wife has been saying for like the last seven summers, this is the last summer. This could be our last summer to do anything, to go on an adventure or to go on an outing or go travel. And you know, now the kids are both in college and it's, this could be our last summer. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> at what point do we get, have we worn that out? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we ever do. We, because it, you know, not to be morbid, but it very well could be the last summer. Oh, yeah. So why would we, why, why would we not do something? Yeah. Right? Like what excuse do we have to not go on a travel, go vacation, go camping, yeah. go whatever. There's no reason not nope. to. I mean, whether, yeah, I mean, school's going to be there. Whether sports will be there when they get back, you know, work will be here when we get back. But yeah, we'll, you know, yeah. they, they won't be, they might, they'll be off doing their own thing. They'll have their own lives and yeah. their own kids. And then, yeah, I don't want to have that regret of shit. I wish I would have done more. Like, you know, this summer has been rough being, you know, being injured and not being able to do this, you know, the hiking and the going to the lake and doing the fun stuff that we wanted to do. Right. So just, it's been a real eye opener, just a month of being limited. So it's really mm-hmm. made me focus on, Hey, you know, as I get, as I heal, as I get, you know, healthier is get right back in it and do more with them. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's probably been a blessing in disguise. Right. Well, it goes back to what we were talking about, about balance is under, I think, well, you know, you talk about the, the injury refocusing you, helping you understand your priorities and going, Oh, Hey man, this is, it's important that I spend this time with these kids because they're not going to be here forever. And these yeah. are, these are precious moments that we have. And, you know, we, going back to the whole wheel analogy, like getting the balance in your life, you know, there's a, you know, one of these days you're going to leave the job, right? You're going to leave work and you're going to be done with work. And what do you have left? You know, this, uh, I heard an expression, um, that was, uh, giving credit to one of our old, our old assistant chiefs. And he said, you know, you take a bucket of water and you stick your hand in that bucket of water and you pull your hand out with a handful of water and you watch how fast that water runs out of your hand. Was that's how fast the organization moves on without you when you leave. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so if that's the case, right, what do you have left, right? You have your relationships, you have what's in your heart and what's in your head. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think those are the most valuable things to, to invest in. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I like that. That's a good analogy. <laughs> really good yeah. analogy. Well, it paints a good picture, right? It oh, makes yeah. you, it makes me sad. Yeah. <laughs> if you think, holy mackerel, I'm going to invest all this in, in, in the work that I'm doing, which is valuable. But it's but it's also vaporous, man. It's gonna yeah. be gone in a heartbeat. Yep. It's gonna go on without us. Mm-hmm. It's still gonna be there. Yeah. The machine's still gonna be rolling on. Right. Wow. I like yeah. It's different to think about you yeah, because we don't think about that kind of stuff a lot. It's hard to think about the future period, but then think of, you know, end of career and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, Kids I'm moving out. You're young still. I'm old. I'm trying to think <laughs> about it. <laughs> well, we talk about my wife the other day. I'm like, we got five years left and Colton be in college. He'll be gone. You know, and five you know, and then yeah. Cameron, she's almost eight, so in ten years she'll be gone. I'm like, oh, it's weird. It's a weird feeling. Weird yeah. to think about that. Comes fast, man. Yeah, not having them here at the house. Mm. Oh, hopefully they'll be ready for it then. Not <laughs> definitely not ready for it now. Right. Uh, so I think you know we talk about those relationships, how important they are, and um, you know I I think about I want to have this this photograph of my of my grandmother holding my, my daughter and, um, you know, her great grandchild. And she was, I guess, 84 or something at the time when she passed, which was, you know, a couple years after my daughter was born. And, um, 
I think about that. And my timing might be slightly off there, but I think, man, when I'm old, right, I want to be able to do things with my grandchildren and um, my great grandchildren, if it's possible. Oh yeah, right, absolutely. So, um, so, so to me, there's this this balance in life that we're trying to strike. The longevity is is there's the longevity in the career, but it goes so much further than that. Yeah, right? it's it's like what what comes after the career. Yeah, I think we talked about it a little bit last time. Is this you know like it's not just lifespan, it's health span. So I can be healthy as I'm older and play with the grandkids and do all that fun stuff I want to do. Yeah, it goes way beyond just you know having a career. It's yeah, yeah. I want to. My kids are they're pretty fortunate. They've got uh, one great grand, uh, one great grandma, one great grandpa left. You know, they're in their mid eighties right now, so they get to see them. That's pretty cool. You know, That's my awesome. grandparents died. Uh, I have vague memories of them. So they're both pretty young. So, or I was pretty young when they passed. So I don't, I never had that. So they've got, I think two, one, two, two sets of grandparents still. And then great grandparents. So it's pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah. But I want to be in there. You know, they're actually, they're, they're pretty dang active. They go on walks every day. They walk the dogs, you know, in their mid to late, you know, I think they're, they want to say 86 and they're still out walking through the neighborhood. And that's, that's my goal. So obviously we need to be, um, I think for, in order to be a robust old person, you got to do a little bit of exercise. You got to be walking. You got to be moving. You got to lift some weights. Yeah, I think to maintain good muscle tone. Right? Absolutely. But more important, the older you get, the more important it is to do some resistance training. Yeah. But what are, you know, I think there's other components like nutrition, and that's something for me is like I keep tinkering with all kinds of different stuff. What are, you know, I don't know, paleo. Uh, intermittent fasting, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, carb reduction, getting rid of my, you know, it's actually been very good for me. I hate to admit it, but it's, I, <laughs> yeah. I love my carbohydrates, but I'm trying to get away from, you know, the, the, the pastas and the breads and the sugars. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It's yeah. Uh, I'm not saying I my, my thing is I just try to eat real food. And I'm OCD, so I track what I eat. And I try to have an idea, especially when I was the first two weeks I was sitting on the couch, you know, very little movement, just kind of up around the house on crutches. I was really kind of keeping an eye on what I ate because I'm not burning a whole lot of calories sitting there. You know, yeah. I'm not doing any exercise. I'm just crutching around. So, and, you know, you touch on different, the, the paleo, the keto, all that stuff, is, you know, kind of goes in phases. But I think just eating real food should be the, should be the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The base of whatever diet you're doing. You know, real food should be, you know, meats, vegetables, nuts and seeds, just healthy, real food. You know, try to limit the processed stuff, the the good stuff, the breads and the pastas. Our neighbor next door, uh, two days ago, brought us over. She makes homemade sourdough bread. It was amazing. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, I had a big slice of it when she brought it over and then Colton had some. So that's the, that's the stuff that's hard to say no to, you know. So, yeah, it's it's finding that beginning. It goes back to balance. You know, I'm not living off that stuff. It's it's a right. treat. It's occasional, and I don't know. But well, help me. So, give me an idea. What what is what does Brian eat on a daily basis? On a on a give me a snapshot of what you might eat. So for me, it's like I mentioned, real foods. But so for breakfast, depending on where I work, depending on where I work out too. Um, I try to. I like carbohydrates. I don't go crazy with them. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to eat an you know excessive amount. You know, carbs are the body's preferred energy source. So I try to keep all my carbohydrates around workout time. And, you know, depending on how active I am that day and what I'm doing, whether it's jujitsu, whether it's training in the garage, you know, lifting weights, uh, whether it's going to track and running, I'd like to have my carbohydrates around workout time. 
pre and post because um, that's what my body's going to use for energy. Uh, so if I'm working out early in the morning, um, I might have just some fruit and uh, some light, uh, maybe a couple, two, just maybe two eggs. I don't try to have a lot of fat around my workout time. So uh, I didn't work out today. This morning was a little bit different. It was a little higher fat, lower carbs. I had four eggs, a handful of ground beef in there, and then a bunch of veggies. So I had bell peppers, red and green, handful of mixed greens, which was some spinach, some kale, just a little uh, little plastic tubs you buy at Sprouts. Mm. So I chopped that up, mixed that in there. Um, I had some potatoes with it, and that was it. And then uh, about an hour later, I had a bowl full of fruit. When fruit was just some blueberries, strawberries, and grapes. Just a little snack. And then for lunch, I had uh, more red meat, more hamburger. I had uh, Costco started selling these grass-fed beef patties. Mm. My kids love hamburger patties. So I'll throw, I threw a dozen on the grill yesterday and just have them in the fridge. Uh, so I just dice them up and throw them in different things or eat them cold yeah, or whatever. or my daughter just she has me shred some raw cheddar cheese on top, warm it up, and she just eats it like that. So nice. my wife and daughter uh, have celiac disease, and they can't eat anything gluten. Um, we were actually out at Top Golf on Friday night for my little sister's or my wife's little sister's birthday. My daughter was eating some chips, and she had some French fries, and something there was contaminated. Within ten minutes, she had her uh, hives all over her legs and rash, like uh, instantly. Yeah. You know, and I've we've tested it before, where I've snuck her some food, you know, on vacation. Hey, have this, have a cookie, and she breaks out right away. So she can't have it. So it makes it easier for keeping that junk food out of the house. Yeah, you know. So um, for lunch, or for uh, I'll probably try. I might try to work out this afternoon. We'll see. I'm taking it easy still. Uh, I try to work on my schedule pretty much every other day right now. And it's just machines, uh, some light, light kettlebell stuff, something that I can do seated. Nothing that's going to hurt the leg. Um, chicken breast, some, some organic white rice. I'll say that's really about it. I'm, I eat the same stuff all the time. I eat the same meals well, over and over. My I, you know, I feel like that the, the simplicity of it helps you. I think it helps it stay stay on course. Yeah. Right? If you're trying to do all these complicated meals, it gets frustrating to try to, you know, keep it healthy but do all this crazy variety. Yeah. I don't know if you're not a. I mean, if you're not a big a foodie, so to speak, yeah. where you got to be in the kitchen cooking all the time. I I lose interest in the kitchen. I just don't want to be in there. I I you know I go I, I hit or miss. Sometimes I love being in the kitchen and cooking and trying new stuff. At the same time, it's just so easy for me. You know, I cooked 12 hamburgers yesterday. I cooked seven chicken breasts and a full bag of rice. So I have that in the fridge ready to go. So for my meals the rest of the week, you know, I mean, people at work, they're like, oh, you always eat your chicken and rice, you know, because I usually work out in the morning. Right. And that's, you know, one of my, you know, I'll have a shake and then hour or two later, I'll have my post-workout is chicken breast and rice. And I like it. It tastes good. I'll throw some salsa on there, chop up some greens in there. You know, they're like, you eat the same thing every day. I'm like, yeah, most people eat the same thing for breakfast all the time and they don't freak out about it. You know, it's either going to be, you know, whether it's oatmeal, a bagel, whether it's their eggs, whatever they do, they eat the same thing every day. So, um, so I wonder, is that some kind of social construct where our meals have to be like, you have to have this variety of meals? Where does that come from? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it is fun to switch it up. You know, we're, we're been really good lately about once a week. We're sitting down having, you know, the family, there's the four of us, or we'll invite some people over, just have dinner at least once a week. We're making, we're trying to make a, you know, last two weeks, it's actually been steak just because they've been on sale for 4th of July. So I've had steaks, some asparagus. Uh, my wife made a nice little salad. So, you know, we changed it up a little bit, but my wife's the same way. She eats, uh, excuse me, she eats chicken and potatoes all the time, you know? So it's a simple, it's simple, yeah. to, you know, and sometimes it gets boring, but I'll throw, like I said, some salsa in there. And what I'll do at the fire station, I bring my food with me almost, unless we're cooking and I know what I'm going to cook, I'm bringing my food with me every day. Right. Doesn't mean I'm going to eat it. Sometimes I'll just supplement what they're doing. 
Right. So the latter makes a really good uh, lasagna. So I'll just have my chicken, I'll throw it in a bowl, and I'll scoop out some of the meat and some of the sauce and cheese and kind of mix it all around in there. So at least I know I'm not having, you know, all that excess carbs that I might not need right then. And I can still have, you know, still having a healthy-ish meal, but I'm still eating some of their food, and I'm always eating with the guys. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm the, – the good thing about not being on Instagram is I don't see all the all the diet posts and what's new. And, you know, there's <laughs> – you know, so many people, there's so many different – there's so many different opinions on what's healthy and what's not healthy out there. Right. For me, you know, I eat, like I said, I eat the real food. I don't do a lot of processed stuff, I guess. I mean, I'm trying to think what I do. I do, I do like Kodiak cakes, those little high protein pancakes. Those oh yeah. Good. I don't know what those are. Those are good. They're low fat. They're some, they're basically, I mean, it's, uh, it's whole wheat. It's just a little bit out of protein to make pancakes. So I'll have those sometimes mm. if I'm going to work out at the fire station in the afternoon, I might have those as a mid afternoon snack. Mm-hmm. They're light. They don't weigh me down. Um, but where was I going with that? Oh, the social media. You see, you know, some people, hey, keto's the greatest thing. Carnivore is the best thing. Oh, I do high carb, low fat. You know, so you see all those different things. And I think you got to find out what works for you. For me, I can tolerate carbohydrates. So I think we mentioned it last uh, last time we talked. I get blood work done a lot. And we I just got blood work done last time we did our podcast. And it was a little higher than normal. My cholesterol levels, I'm like, wow, that's kind of weird. Went back and looked what happened. It was the week we got back from Seattle, me and my son. So we were eating out every day, eating mm-hmm. shitty, you know, restaurant food with, you know, processed oils and all that, the processed carbs. And my numbers jumped up. One month later, I had our physicals at the fire department and they came back down just by getting back on real food, watching what I was, you know, eating. They came back down lower than they've ever been. So, you know, I know, I know what works for me. If that makes sense, you know, I mean, some people might not be able to process, you know, the, the two to 300 grams of carbs a day. You know, some people feel better on keto. Some people, you know, feel better on just, you know, vegan. It doesn't, it's finding out what works for you. And for me, I have the data, you know, via my blood work that I get a couple times a year to kind of back it up. And I feel better. Right. You know, I, I like carbohydrates for workout, um, especially the workouts that we do, the high intensity stuff. If I'm going out doing sprints and if I'm going to go out in the garage and do Fran, which I would never go do voluntarily. But if I'm going to go do a salt bike sprints, which I love doing the salt bike and the rower, you know, I, yeah, I need some carbohydrates. So I'm pushing it hard. I feel better. I can push it hard. I can give more out of my workout. Um, if it's just a rolling day, if I'm going to go to jujitsu for two hours, I, I don't need as many carbs. I mean, right. it's hard. Don't get me wrong. It's, you know, you're out there rolling, you're sweating. Um, you're working really hard, but it's not the, it's not that, that high intensity level the entire time. I mean, there is, right. there is absolutely, you know, you're in a scramble. There's certain times where, yeah, you're, you're redlining it. So those days I don't have as many carbs. I kind of, I mean, I guess you can consider it carb cycling. I mean, it kind of just depending on what I'm doing that day. Yeah. It sounds like you're talking about using carbs sort of, uh, strategically as your, you know, as you're injecting it into your day, right? So it's not yeah. like a part of your, every meal has to have carbs. It's, it's consumed in a certain time period when you know yeah. you're going to go work out. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and if, you know, you're going to be burning muscle exactly. glycogen, so you use it. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong. And some people do, you know, there's people that can train on high intensity, you know, levels on keto and do great. That's, you know, nothing wrong with that. I don't, I'm not a zealot of like, Hey, you have to eat this way. Right. I think, Hey, what works for you? And looking at the research behind some of the, you know, diets are hard where, you know, you find studies on, but you can find studies on certain foods and how they affect you. And, you know, I kind of like, I, um, what was the big thing of, uh, too much protein is bad for your kidneys. There's been studies and disproven that, you know? So like that, you know, cause some people say you can't have that much protein. Well, you can, you can have, you know, a ground, you know, I try to eat a gram per pound of body weight. So I'm getting 200 grams a day, you know? Right. So 
Do you do per pounds of body weight or per pound of lean mass? Like lean I see pound mass. of body weight. Yeah, just keep, keep, it simple. It simple. keep it simple. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I, I I weigh and measure my food still ninety percent of the time. Not only because if I don't, I'm not a bodybuilder doing contest prep. I'm not a competitive CrossFitter. I'm not competing in jiu-jitsu. I just I'm OCD and I like to know. <laughs> I really like to know. I like to have you know. And there's you know if I'm on vacation I'm not. To me, it's like you're dosing yourself with food. Yeah. You know, I know my food is going to have a very specific reaction in my body. Now, the majority of us just eat because the, the schedule tells us to eat yeah. or because you go, oh, I'm kind of, what am I supposed to do right now? I'm kind of bored. I know. I'll go eat. Yeah. <laughs> What's in the cupboard, right? Yep. Like, There's got to be something in here to occupy me. Um, and I, I feel like as a, as a general, probably a general statement, we all – overeat um just out of out of sheer volume of, of availability yeah absolutely we do. i mean the you know if you think just a couple hundred years ago our ancestors didn't have access to that high you know high that uh calorie dense foods you know 10 steps away in the cupboard right you know that's that's the big thing it's just the availability of it it's everywhere you just right. drive down the road you pull into circle care quick trip it's crappy food everywhere right well i because of that that premise I started the premise that, you know, I think about our ancestors not having the availability of food. I thought, well, you know what? Why why wouldn't intermittent fasting be healthy for me, right? The, the fact that there's uh, food in the cupboard doesn't mean I have to go munch on it, right? Yeah. Can I go with, can I go 16 hours without eating? And um, at first it was very, very uncomfortable for me, but then it became, um, it felt really good. Yeah. You know, and it feels, feels good. I do it now. I've been, I've been tinkering with it for the last year or so. And um, I just love it. And, you know, my family like, oh, you got to I got to have breakfast. I'm like, hey, you don't got to have yeah. breakfast. No, you'd be, you'd be surprised how functional you are, yeah. um, you know, just waiting until lunch. Yeah. And I found myself waiting until like 2 in the afternoon. I'm yeah. like, oh, man. Especially if you're eating the good, holy you know, mackerel. If you're eating real foods, yeah, it's easy, right. even easier. So I, I, yeah. I played around with it about a year ago. I was training a lot harder then. So I was having trouble getting enough calories in that window, in that eight-hour window. You know, without stuffing myself and having, you know, with with eating quality foods, um, I might play around with it again because I'm not concerned with, you know, as concerned with performance as I was just a couple years ago because I was, I don't know why, it was not like I was going to CrossFit because I think I'm going to just, I like to work out and compete in it. Um, but uh, I might tinker around with that again. I do like it. I think I know it does have some health benefits. Uh, I've also, I did try a 24-hour fast last week. Hmm. for just And that was just more of just a mental test. I'm like, hey, could I do it? So I'd had dinner, actually a late dinner it was at seven o'clock on a Saturday. Didn't eat all day till seven o'clock on Sunday. And it, it wasn't, it was, like I said, it was more of a mental test to see if I could do it. Right. If I would do it again, I would probably do it during the week. And when I was a little more active, cause I sat, you know, Sunday, I think we went to church in the morning, ran some errands. I took uh, me and Cam went to the movies. So like. There was a lot of downtime in between there where I was kind of yeah. sitting around like, okay, I could just go eat right now. <laughs> so I think it'd be easier like, you know, on a weekday if I'm out running errands, doing stuff. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't try doing it on shift just because, you know, the kitty at most fire stations is pretty good. Graham crackers and cheese its and trail mix. So it'd be a little bit harder. Um, I felt good. I probably didn't break the fast the right way. I had a had almost my daily allotment of calories in about three hours <laughs> after that. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't, wasn't as bad as I thought. I like it. I think it's not a bad thing to do every now and then. Um, but I, I do like the 16, eight too. the, the window. Yeah. The that seems window. to be a, a kind of a comfortable way to do it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it causes you to have a little bit less, 
you know, caloric intake overall yeah. and, you know, reduces your calories and, you know, you go out and you, you know, depending on when you do it and how you do it, like I find myself training in a fasted state in the mornings typically. And I, you know, it's, you would think it would be harder, but it really is not. It feels great. Yeah. I think I remember trying, I think we did it for a month or so last time. And the first week was tough, but after that, it's, you just get in the groove. Yeah. And I think, you know, once, once, it, you know, especially if you get an off shift, you're doing a, you know, eat dinner at night, wake up at the shift, have some coffee in the morning on the way home, hit jujitsu, get home 11 or 12, shower up. And then you're almost, you know, you're at that 16 hour window almost, you know, right. you're ready to eat. So it's, it wouldn't be terribly difficult. I think if yeah. I, I'm gonna, I'll probably try that again once I get back at it. Yeah. The thing I find incredibly challenging when I, when I couple it with work is, uh, when you have those really, really busy shifts, I don't know about anybody else, but when I have a really busy shift and I've been up all night, I am a, I crave sugar, sugar and salt. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I crave sugar. It's freaking yep. ridiculous. And, um, that is the, one of the hardest things for me is coming home, driving home off shift. I'm like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to buy a, I'm going to buy myself a, a bang or a diet Coke or a, you know, whatever, insert your <laughs> beverage, your caffeinated monster drink of choice, right? Whatever it is. Yeah. And, um, and of course, uh, you walk into a QT and you're lured into the aisle full of delicious goodies, yep. full of sugar oh, everywhere. and crap. And um, so for me, that's the uh, it really is an area of weakness for me. And I think it's co- that that sleep deprivation compounds that. Um, God, it's so hard for me. It is. So I was, we were actually I was just looking through that book. Uh, it's called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. I was actually looking mm. through it. I need to get some uh, research tidbits out of there. But he does mention there that I think I want to say it's less than roughly I want to say five to six hours of sleep a night. When you get below that, you average the the next day you eat an average of three hundred calories or more. Oh, and it's the and it's the salty and the sugary foods you crave. So your leptin and ghrelin levels, those hormones, kind of get inversed. So you are hungry more often than you should be, and you don't get full. So just being sleep deprived one night. That so perfectly describes that's not me. your fault. It's not your fault at all. You're up running four or five calls after midnight. You know, oh. just, yeah, it's not your fault at all. Oh, so I don't have to take, so I'm not accountable. <laughs> yeah. So I love, you know, that's my new gig. You know, I was reading about sleep and this, it's interesting. It's, you know, especially in the, the career for the, the field that we're in is we can be sleep deprived for careers, you know, especially so, the guys that work at busy well, stations. So yeah, perfect segue. So we talk about the, the, one of the pri- one of the biggest impacts to firefighters. I mean, I think it's one of those, the, the things that we talk about the least, but has a tremendous impact on us. And that's sleep deprivation. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it's tough because it's, we're not going to get out of running calls in the middle of the night ever. I mean, that's, that's our job. You know, Mrs. Smith has a heart attack two or three in the morning or she, if she falls and gets, you know, can't get up, we're going to go help her. Cause that's this, that's part of the job. That's um, the mission. Finding ways to minimize the damage from it is, is, is what I'm focusing on. Um, and it's hard. It, I mean, it's really hard. That light goes off at two o'clock in the morning, you know, even in sometimes by the time we get downstairs, we've got, maybe get canceled on the call. That red light comes on, you know, you you wake up, you know, your heart rate's out of, you know, I think my heart rate stays when I'm sleeping 46, 44, and all of a sudden it pops up, even if it goes up to 60 or 70, but you know, it's hard to fall back asleep. Worse if it's a fire, you get kicked out on a three and one at two or three in the morning. Even if it turns out to be nothing, your heart rate just, you know, went from, from, you know, most guys 50 to 60 to 120 as you're racing to the truck, that's really hard to fall back asleep. You know, you they lay back in bed. So my thing is I'm trying to do everything I can to minimize 
sleep deprivation effects on my on my health. So, what does that look like? So for me, you know, I put the phone. So I'm, we have a two story station. So I, I I put my phone upstairs usually around eight eight thirty, and I'm off that phone. Um, I don't charge it next to my bed. It's charged on the other side of my rack. So I'm not tempted to kind of look at it. So I don't want the, there's, there's a stimulation just from being on your phone, from whether it's social media, whether it's reading, um, also that blue light, which the nice thing is that, you know, the phones and pads, that blue light that comes out, it kind of stimulates, it stops the uh, production of melatonin. So, you know, realistically, you know, if we go back to our ancestors, the sun goes down, body starts producing melatonin and say, Hey, it's tired. I'm afraid to go to sleep. So with, we're surrounded by light, whether it's on our phones, whether it's led lighting everywhere. And I hate led lighting. It's, it's brighter. So if I'm hanging out with the guys, sometimes I'll go shut the lights off at the fire station in the, in the day room or in the, uh, in our kitchen or sorry, not kitchen, the uh, table room and the kitchen light will be on. So it's kind of darker. It's set in that mood, you know, let my body know, Hey, it's sleep time. Um, I stay off my phone most, you know, my phone. And I think, you know, most new technology now you can have that filter on there that turns off blue light. So I have that on there. Also, it goes off at for seven 30 at night, seven o'clock at night, it goes off and it kind of changes it to like an orangish color. Hmm. So it gets rid of that blue light. Um, do you have an iPhone? I do. Yeah. I have to show me how to do that. Yeah. So it's a setting in there and you can change it to a, uh, it's called night shift. So after, okay. and you can adjust the hours. So after seven o'clock, it goes off for me. So I don't, so if I do get on it, it's not super bright. It's not that blue light. That's going to, you know, stimulate my mind and say, Hey, you know, awake, awake, awake. I want to be starting to get into sleep. Um, I've eliminated any really big meals before bed too. Mm. So I'll have, you know, dinner, we fire station, we eat at six o'clock here. It seems like I'm a little later around the house is around seven o'clock, I eat dinner. Um, and that's my last big meal. So if anything, I'll have a casein shake, you know, about an hour before bed. So I don't want my body to be digesting and breaking down that food as I'm trying to sleep. Um, if we do get a call in the middle of the night, you know, you you see guys on the phone, you know, they get back in the rack and like, Oh, I'll just get on the phone for a little bit. So I don't touch that thing again. I try to go to bed. If I can't sleep, I get out of bed. So sleep should be for two things. The second one is, you know, the first one's obviously sleep. The second one, you know, we're adults. So we can figure out what else we do in bed, but it's not for reading and watching TV. It's that kind of, you know, oh, so, Oh, sorry. You, you lost your first thing you said. You said sleep is for two things. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. The bed is for two okay, things. Copy. Sorry. I'm tracking with you now. Okay. Sleep is one. The other one is, you know, an adult activity. Okay. So if I can't sleep, if it's 15 minutes, I'm kind of tossing and turn 20 minutes. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go read, but I might go, uh, you know, go downstairs to a straddle. Lucky at my stage, we have some straddles upstairs in a little dark room. Mm-hmm. I might go in there and I've got a little, uh, my son bought me a little tiny little lamp for the side of my bed for reading. So I don't have to turn my lights and distract anybody. So I'll go out there and read. I'll get out of that bed. I don't want my, my body thinking, Hey, you know, it's okay to be awake in bed. It's supposed to be in sleep. Mm. Um, the fire station I sleep in too. I'm not that guy that gets up at five 30 in the morning and sits down there for two hours waiting, you know, for relief and having coffee. And I do, I mean, it's, it's a fun time to fellowship, but I'll sleep until seven. Um, just try to get it, especially if we've been up running calls, I'm going to try to sleep until seven, maybe seven 30. Yeah. yeah. If you're already asleep, stay asleep. Yeah, absolutely. So well, that's a funny story. I think, uh, I think I had two years on the job. I was working at station 23 and it was designed for two trucks. So their dorms are split. So yeah, but it's a, it's a single engine station. So we have four guys in the station and there's a, I think there was eight, two captain's dorms and six beds, but they're in two different rooms. So I had one room to myself. We were up station 23 is down South. They're notorious for getting up at night for, you know, alley fires. And I think we were up four or five times after midnight. I didn't set an alarm. I rolled out of bed. It was, I think it was about a quarter to nine. <laughs> and cause no one else, that was the only one that in that side of the station. So no lights came on. Nothing woke me up. I had a walk out the walk of shame. B shifts in the uh, table, having coffee. 
they just stare at me. Oh, morning, sunshine. <laughs> Almost nine o'clock. I rolled out of bed. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I like having to go back to my morning routine. I like having a morning routine, but the fire station, I'm not going to wake up early and do it. Um, what else do I do? Cold and dark. Oh, so when I got my spot at station one a few years ago, uh, the first thing I did when I picked a dorm, so we have, you know, some people might not be familiar with the older fire station. They have partition walls that separate the bunks. So there is, you know, about two or three feet between the ceiling and the top of your bunk, you know, for airflow. Um, but you can also see all the other lights. If someone has their TV on, you can hear their TV and see it in the bunk next to you. So right. first thing I did is I went to Home Depot and I bought some styrofoam and I sealed up my room. It is completely dark. Um, it's almost, there's a little bit that comes in that we have a little sliding curtains that I have a little bit comes in on the bottom, but it's not too bad. It is dark and cold in there. I've got my own air vent and I've got a fan. So dark, cold. Um, no electronics and nothing in my belly that's going to kind of keep me up all night. So that's my routine and that seems to work pretty good. I usually sleep pretty well. Um, I'm not, a, uh, I take zinc at night zinc and, uh, magnesium it's supposed to help sleep a little bit. It's also good for just kind of keeping our testosterone levels up as we get older. Mm. Uh, I'm not a, I'll, I try not to take melatonin. Um, that's really about it. Definitely. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't drink anyways, but alcohols, you know, some guys say they need that to sleep and that's not what it's doing. It's more of a tranquilizer. It's going to put you out, but it's not sleep. It's not right. the, the restorative sleep that we need. Um, yeah, that's what I use and it works pretty well. Like I said, I geek out on sleep. You know, I'd rather go in there and read for a little bit, you know, with a soft light and then shut the lights off and, you know, stand there the entire time and be cold. Do you use like a, uh, a non blue light lamp or is that, is that a thing? Uh, yeah, it's a little tiny lamp and I shine away from me. So it gets hard to read sometimes. I don't know. I don't think it's a, it's uh, cause you're 40 bro. Yeah. So I'm getting it. Is. I'm getting old, man. My, I did my physical this year. My depth perception was way off. I don't know how I passed that, but, uh, practice. That's yeah. I think, I think it was every year of physical that those numbers don't change. If you could just memorize them, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's a real soft light. Um, actually my wife hates the blue, uh, hates the, uh, led light also. I know it's better for the environment, but uh, in that book, they talk about, you know, it's it's more, I think it's lumens, I believe. I'm not sure how they measure the brightness, and it's a lot brighter than traditional lighting. So that's something else that's going to kind of keep you awake at night. So after dinner, we should. Oh, the LED lights yeah, are brighter. Yeah, absolutely brighter. Yeah. So, you know, um, we, we've we got them in here just because they were in here when we got in. But as we replace them, we don't replace them with LED. You know, I try to find, or softer lights, you know. And then after dinner here, I shut off all the lights in the house, all the big lights in the house. So we have one little light on the kitchen that kind of lights up enough of the house to see. Even if we're sitting here talking or watching TV, uh, it won't be super bright here. So those, you know, those, those work for me. You know, I think the biggest thing is just you've got to make it a priority. Say, hey, I understand what, it, you know, I've, I've read and I've seen what it's going to do to my body in the long term. And, you know, make it a priority. I think, you know, the bottom of the pyramid, you know, I think I uh, we talked about those – CrossFit's hierarchy development, hmm. nutrition being the bottom, um, it kind of goes up through there, it's gymnastics, strength, all that. I think below that should be sleep. I think it's more, you know, if you ask a lot of guys, and I think Peter Tia said this, if you ask most people, would they rather miss out on sleep or would they rather be off on their diet? And most people say, oh, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather miss out on sleep and I'll, you know, I'll fix my diet. And it should be the other way around. Sleep should be the priority over yeah. everything else. Well, we've, there's a, there's a bit of a cultural machismo when it comes to getting little, little sleep. 
Yeah. Right. Oh, I can, I can do that. Sleep when you know, you're dead. Yeah. I'll yeah. sleep when I'm dead. You know, I, oh, you guys brag about how little sleep they got. Oh yeah. I've only, I only sleep five hours a night or I only sleep four hours a night. And you know, they're hustlers, they're grinders, they're getting after it or whatever. And I'm like, I, I've given, I've tried that here and there. And when I was 20, I get away with it. Yeah. And now I'm like, dude, if I don't get seven hours of sleep, I'm a wreck. Yeah. Right. Until I can recover. It takes me, it takes a while to recover. And so for me, the sweet spot's like seven hours. Yeah. I routinely get like six, six and a half hours. Um, and I attribute it mostly to poor planning. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It, you know, this seems like the least amount of sleep I get is the night before shift. And it's only because I'm getting everything ready. And when I say least, it's usually I, seven and a half is my goal. And I'm usually pretty good about hitting it. Um, mm. Being injured, I've been hitting eight and a half yeah. hours of sleep. It's been really good. <laughs> um, if I get less than six, I'm not going to work out the next day probably. You know, if I can take a nap, if I can get one in, you know, or if it's a light day of maybe just rolling, you know, but I'm not going to go, you know, I'm not going to push it hard. I'm not going to sprint. I'm not going to lift heavy if I've got less than six hours of sleep. Um, like I said, some people do brag about that. You know, that was, you know, I mean, Jocko is a perfect example. He talks about, you know, four and a half, five hours of sleep. He's getting up at four in the morning every day. And, right. uh, they talk, you know, Matthew Walker talks about in his book and there is some, there's a gene that a very, very few people have that allows them to get less sleep. Hmm. And I think more people, I think people, a lot of people think they have it that actually don't, but I mean, he, he might be one of the ones that actually does have it, you know, right. but I think for the large majority of the population, we need, you know, the seven and a half to eight hours of sleep every night. And I'd love if I can get eight, eight and a half. Um, my boy's, you know, he's almost 13 going through puberty. He got up at 10, 15 today. <laughs> he went to bed about 10 o'clock last night. Yeah. And, I, and I let him. I'm not going to, you know, I mean, if he, you know, especially in the summertime, he can get as much sleep as he wants. You know, I think about young adults, like, well, teenagers and young adults and their physiology is different, man. Their, their internal clock is totally yeah. different. My son will stay up, you know, he's, he's 20. He'll stay up really, really late and sleep until 11. Yeah. And he, and he functions great that way. Like that's his preferred timetable. Yeah. If you know, he can't go to bed early, if he tries to go to bed early, he can't even sleep. Yeah. And so it's an interesting, you know, I think about like the way they set up high school. I'm like, why are we sending kids to school at seven in the morning? I know. It's right? terrible. Like they should be sleeping until nine. Class yep. shouldn't start till 930. Oh, they Right. They've done studies in that book and they've showed, you know, when they change school start times, SAT scores go up, mm. you know, performance goes up uh, right now in junior high. Colton's start time is nine o'clock and it's awesome. You know, he doesn't, he gets up, at, he gets up about eight fifteen, and he's an early, he goes to bed pretty early during the school year. He's in bed by eight thirty nine o'clock. So he's getting 11 hours of sleep oh. during the week, which is awesome. You know, next year in high school, it's going to change. I think they start at seven thirty, seven forty five, So it's going to be a mm. little bit different. And I, you know, it's, It'd be nice if they could all start at nine o'clock, but I get it's logistically and buses and just all that and parents working. Well, but yeah, I would say it's a construct of society. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with the wellness of the kids. Nope, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but that's, I love, I love talking about sleep. I was actually, when you got here today, I think we were talking about it. There was a post in our, you know, our, our fire department has a, uh, it's not an official fire department, but it was a Facebook page where guys can post questions and ask stuff. And that topic came up today about changing the shift schedule from we work eight o'clock in the morning to eight o'clock the next morning. And there's some, there's a little push from some of the guys to change that from 8 PM to 8 PM. And it sounds good on paper. You know, you're home during the day with your kids, you're putting them to bed then you're going to sleep at night. But I think in the, you know, the effects of you know sleep deprivation, if you show up at work at eight o'clock, you know, you're at a busy station. It seems like the busier stations are usually the younger guys. They're probably not taking naps going before work. They're out doing whatever, working out. Maybe it's summertime. They're at the lake. Who knows what they're doing all day. And then they go into work at eight o'clock. And then you start running calls and you, you know, some of those stations, 18, 60, those guys are running four to five after midnight. 
then you're, you know, you're waking up at eight o'clock and you're, you're running all day, you know? So there's, you know, I don't think it's a, a feasible fix. I would like to see something change, but like, like, like I mentioned, there's, there, we're always going to be running calls after midnight, you know? And I don't know enough about other departments of how they do it. I know you New York does something different where they'll, they can, they got alternating, they got some day schedules. Yeah. I think they do a, they do like a, and I'm totally guessing here, but I think they do two days and two nights kind of thing on a rotation. Oh, do they? Something like that. You know, it'd be nice if we could do like a day and day shift, you know, as guys get more seniority, you know, they get a little older, maybe put in for those day spots and not have, you know, who knows? I mean, that's, you know, you think about it, there's 24 hours in a day, there's a thousand ways to slice it, right? Yeah. If you have the sufficient, uh, capacity you know fiscal capacity yeah. you could do all kinds of stuff like uh i believe seattle has a d shift yeah right so different agencies do different things you have more manpower where you can reduce your overall schedule it has some impacts though because if you're working you know you add a d shift now you're maybe you're working 40 hours a week versus yep. 56 you know things like Taking that pay cut, yeah. yeah it's gonna cost you somewhere yeah i mean for me i would do that in a heartbeat but i know a lot of guys wouldn't you know right a lot of guys you know that's that's a pretty big you know 16 hours a week it adds up mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. for me you know, to keep me healthy and keep me you know, alive longer and healthy longer with my kids is absolutely worth it. Right. You know, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, we, we get up at night occasionally at station one. We're not, we're not a hammer. We're not one of the slowest stations, but we're not, we're not a station 18. We're not a station 17, a 60, you know, we're not, you know, sometimes, you know, a lot of times we'll sleep at night and that's, it'll well, be so hard let me for give, me to relieve. Let me frame some context for people. We're talking about stations that run 35 yeah. to 5,000 calls a year, Yeah, 3,500 to 5,000 calls a year versus what is what is the big house run? Oh, we just saw the numbers. We averaged six call each truck averaged six calls a shift. So I mean, eighteen. If you do the math, it's pretty like, pedestrian. Yeah, it's pretty small. I mean, it is. You know, and I'd love it there. I mean, it's that's unfortunately that's one of the reasons why it's it makes it easy for me to not have to not want to promote because I don't have to go out roving and I'm going to have to get roped into eighteen and seven and just I'm really comfortable where I'm at and I know that it's good for my body. It's good for my well being. So, you know, it's double-edged sword. It'd be, it'd be fun to promote and go through that process and, you know, get a chance to be an RTO or go, you know, work on, you know, 40 hour week as a cat or just do different, you know, different avenues. Yeah. Um, our department's pretty awesome and we've got a lot of different way, you know, places you can work, especially as, you know, as you promote and become a captain. Um, but as, you know, as a new captain, you're also at the bottom of the list in seniority who's going to be roped into the busy, busy stations, you know? So. Yeah. There's a, you know, in, in the course of a career, there's a lot of variables that we, have to take into consideration and you know you talk about you know you build some seniority as a firefighter well that seniority affords you certain vacation days and it allows you to um pick sweet you know uh sweet spots in the city that might be a little bit more favorable than others yeah and um you know and depending on your lifestyle and what you're trying to accomplish with the rest of your life right there's a whole total package you got to take into consideration there it's not just um I just can I come to work and get my head kicked in? Yeah, and and you know that's I mean for some people that's what they want. And that's great, and it's it, there's a, there's a place for that. <laughs> yeah, we need the we we absolutely need those guys. <laughs> we yeah. need those guys. Yeah. We need you on that wall, yep. right? <laughs> um, so it's it's I think the beauty of it is that that our organization is diverse enough that if you want uh, if you want that you can make that available. It's a, it's available to you. You know, I, I love that. Yeah, um, and if you want to promote, that's available to you as well. If you're willing yeah. to do the work and um, and work toward it. It's, it's an opportunity that's available to get into. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but it does have some costs as you're, it does. You know, as you're calculating. Not to say that not, might not change down the road. You know, as I get older and longer, my career might, you know, I'll say, hey, maybe it is time to try that. But, you know, mm-hmm. as of right well, now. And then... you think about it, too. We go back to the whole premise of our conversation here, which is this idea of balance in life, right? Yeah. Like maybe you get to a point when your kids are headed off to college and you go, okay, well, I'm ready to uh, – I have some more free time and now I'm going to dig into work. That's kind of that's kind of the phase of my career where I'm at right now. Like my kids are both in college and um, – and now I can spend a little bit more time working on, on work projects and other things like that, investing kind of time and in, back into the career yeah. um, and focusing, making that the focus of my days um, versus, you know, taking kids to activities and going yeah. to school functions and things like that. That's not part of my life anymore. Yeah. It's interesting how that change, how your life goes through kind of the, the ebb and flow yeah. changes and you're able to focus in different places. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. I can see it changing down the road or mm-hmm. like they'll see me just being really happy where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, it's, and that's an option too, right? And it's so. crazy. It doesn't take much. I mean, you know, like at my station, all of our guys, you know, are great. We get along with everyone, but all it takes is, you know, a couple guys to leave or maybe promote or go get, you know, leave for a special ops and that whole station right. environment changes and then right. changes your outlook. You're like, okay, maybe. So let's, so, so let's talk about that for a second. You talk about the dynamics of a station and how that contributes to career longevity. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, so I look at it when I get to go to work and, uh, I get to, it's, it's, it's adult day, it's adult daycare. I have to go, I get to go to work and I get to see my friends, you know, um, I get to have snacks, you know, get to have some food. <laughs> I get to go down to the gym for recess. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, those guys I work with, oh, you know, yeah. you are, get to take naps. Yeah. It's awesome. You know, but you know, it's, it's my friends. I get to go in there. I love going to work. I love seeing those guys. We, you know, get to go there and hang out and just shoot the shit and just, you know, just talk. And it's awesome. Um, I spent about two hours there last week. So I've been off the truck for about a month and I'm like, God, I miss everybody. So I call them up and Hey, I'm gonna come to lunch. You know, if you guys aren't doing the next shift and come and just hang out for two hours. It was awesome. Just seeing those guys I haven't seen. That's, that's what I miss more than anything is the, is the station environment, the camaraderie, seeing my, you know, seeing those guys that I get, that I get to spend every third day with, right. You know, guys that, you know, I trust my life in their hands, you know? So that, that station environment is huge. It's, you know, we've talked a little bit about for, you know, I know you're really involved in the roving uh, side of it, you know, and you know, when you have a spot versus as a Rover, you know, a new Rover on the job, it's night and day difference. Yeah. Well. Night and day. I know since I've had the spy been at station one for, I think four years now, maybe five. And, uh, uh, since I've gotten that spot, I've used less sick time. I've used less vacation just because I like, I enjoy going to work. I enjoy hanging out with my friends and it's, it's, you know, when that day comes, like we talked about when it's, you know, you're on your last shift and you're done, that'll be what I miss the most is the guys. Right. You know, I think that's pretty common in our profession, but yeah, that's, that's, yeah, but well, well, and why is it common? It's because that, that fraternity, that brotherhood, that sisterhood, that family yeah. that you build, um, it's just that it's your, it's your, it's your close network Yeah, and, um, yeah, it's work, but at the same time, you know, you just made a laundry list of things that you enjoy about coming to work, Yeah, right? Who else gets to say that? Yeah. Right. There's all these, these fun activities. And then on top of that, you got to go do, um, you know, sometimes dangerous, sometimes annoying, sometimes interesting, you know, things with your bros. Yeah. And it's always different. You know, every call is different and it, and it, that, yeah. that's part of it too. It changes mm-hmm. up, you know, I mean, every single call we go on, it might be the same nature call, but it's going to be different it's going to be a different place, different, the, the person's going to react different. It's just, yeah, it's, I love it. That's, that's, yeah, it's part of it. Is this that you don't know what each day is going to be. 
Yeah, I talk about that a lot, right? That's the the variety of the job is what's really is one of the attractive features of yeah. it to me. Oh yeah. You know, I one of my brother-in-laws were an hour talking. He's like, "Nope, I like knowing exactly what my day ha- holds for me." Oh, I can imagine. Like, oh, that makes me nauseous. This one vomit. No, I couldn't imagine. You know, driving to work every day, going to sit in a cubicle or sit in an office and yeah. dealing with that DPS reports. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. You know, that would just that would be a tough. You know, it'd be be tough to make that you know have as much fun you know and have that same enjoyment when you go in there yeah maybe i'm wrong i've never done it i never had a i don't think i've ever had a real like office job type thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i have i didn't like it (laughs) (laughs) the there's there's something to be said for that variety um in keeping the job fresh and enjoyable and uh and dynamic and then, of course, you know, you sprinkle in these these crazy career calls like where, you know, structural collapses and things that are very, you know, somewhat rare. Yeah. Right. You know, these, you know, greater alarm fires, things that are kind of career calls or what have you, you know, like the the, the explosion they had downtown, the vault yeah. explosion they had last week. And, you know, wow, that that probably won't happen again in my yeah. career. And, um, you know, it keeps the job dynamic, gives you a reason to be invested in the yeah. learning process because you just never know when, um, when that, when that, uh, the pinnacle of your career is going <laughs> to, it's yeah, going to exactly. come colliding into your shift and, uh, that, um, yeah, it's, that's one of the things that I just love, love, love about this job. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, you bring up a really good point, which is you get to do it with your best friends. Yeah. So it really does speak to, um, the importance of, you know, I like to use the word continuity in your career, in your career, right? The people you work with, having that continuity. So you build those trust factors, you build those relationships, you interact, the interoperability in your crew. Um, you know, that's a whole conversation on its own about, you know, about the nature of transient workforce, you know, rovers. Yeah. That's a whole, that's a whole pool we can dive into another time. But the, the piece that is connected here is the trust that you build with your crew that trust leads to friendships and 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 love and and these strong bonds that may come into work super fun yeah and uh you know when we look at the longevity of a career you know the you know not only are you safer when you're working with people you have trust with and who trust you and who who you have interactive uh, interoperability with yeah. right? those things make you safer um so that's huge, but those relationships make you happier. And I think when we talk about we're dealing with difficult calls, right? So, um, you know, dealing with the, the, the traumatic events and, um, the blood and the guts, if you will, of the job and, uh, doing that with people who you trust and love, uh, there's a network of support there. That's really valuable. I think. Yeah. So I think it's important to you know, foster those relationships and really build on them. Yeah. So it makes everything more fun on top of it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like you can, you know, at the end of the day, if you have those relationships, you have the fun, you can look at each other and go, well, that call was effed up. Yeah. Right. And you look at each other and you go, right. It's someone you can, you can actually be vulnerable if you need to, right. Or they know where you're coming from, right. They know your home that you've got a brand new baby at home and you just ran a pediatric code and that you're uh, feeling it, if you will. And that's somebody who can look over to you and go, hey, you cool? Yep, absolutely. What's that line in Pulp Fiction when he says, um, you okay? He goes, 
I'm pretty freaking far from okay. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Or something like that, right? Yep. And that's that you could, you know, you need to have that rapport with your with your crew to be able to do that. Yeah. To have an honest conversation. Oh, absolutely. So. So I think that's it, man. How are we gonna? How we have longevity in this career? uh, Involves. There's so many layers to it, man. I like that. I like that wheel analogy, though. Got to have that wheel. Yes. Every spoke in there. Got to keep your spokes tuned up. Might have to steal that one. You're welcome to it. Don't even have to steal it. <laughs> I give it to you. <laughs> it's free for your use. Cool. What else? I don't know. That's all I got. I'm exhausted. I was up all night. Speaking of sleep. Oh, yeah. Yes, it was don't look at me like that. Oh, I, I, oh, me you were on, oh, you're on Battalion 8? How could you possibly be up all night? I think it's the busiest battalion in the city, That's isn't it? dang on right. <laughs> I forgot. You know, it's weird. I forgot what shift it was. Yeah, I think about it for a second. Well, yeah, because you're disconnected. Yeah, homebody. It's weird. <laughs> it is a weird feeling not knowing. You know, when I was want to go to the station last week, like, let me uh, get, pull up my phone and see what shift it is today. <laughs> That's weird. Twelve and a half. You know, I'm just used to that. Twelve and a half years of just every third day. Yeah. Just, you know, even when I was off on vacation, you always know what shift it was. But when yeah. you go out for a month, it's different. Yeah, I ran into. I was around the other day. Somebody's working on staff, and he's like, "What shift is it today?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's very easy to forget. Oh, very yeah. quickly you forget. Sleeping in your own bed at night. Yeah, it goes yeah. real quick." <laughs> oh man, what do you guys got going on today? You gonna do anything with the kids? Ah, uh, Colton's got football practice tonight. First week in pads. Oh, um, nice. He's pretty excited about that. Uh, he's bummed because I mean, you know, we usually go to the park a couple times a week and practice. You know, me and him will throw him the ball and he'll run routes. So I haven't been able to do that lately. But he's uh, he practices twice a week. Next week's a camp, so he's there five week or five days. So he's loving it. Um, Cam's got swim on Monday, Wednesday, so that keeps her busy. And then uh, that's about it for the. Rest. I mean, we might try to sneak up north. You know, in a few weeks once I get clear to drive and you know, if I can sneak up north just for a couple of days. You know, we nice. we actually had a vacation plan next week. That when I got hurt, uh, the doc said I won't be able to drive and I'll be on crutches. So I, we ended up canceling it just because I'm like, well, you know, I'm not going to hobble around. You know, if we're going to go to Southern California. I'm not going to hobble around for a week on crutches and kind of slow you guys down. So, and then that's ended up being the week that Colton had his camp. So we just we'll reschedule it till either fall break or because we'll we'll get him back. But yeah. Yeah, I might try to sneak up north at least with the kids for a couple of days. Nice, they deserve it. They've been stuck inside last summer with me. Yeah, moping around. Yeah, Zeke and I are going to go for a hike tomorrow. We were talking about doing Humphreys, but. At this point, I'm like, well, we've done Humphreys so many times. I'm like, we got to go do something else. So I've never done that one. Humphreys? Uh-uh. Yeah, Humphreys is good. It's, you got to do Humphreys at some point. It's the highest peak in Arizona. Yeah. How long does it take? That's nine miles round trip, but you got to go up to like 12,600 12, and something feet. Damn. So it's pretty, it's a stiff hike. Yeah. Um. So half a day. That's not bad. No. Nah, nah, depending, you know, it depends on weather and stuff, but yeah, I mean. There are folks there who run it in you know a couple hours kind of thing, so it's doable if you're altitude acclimated yeah. and stuff. But it's you know. Have you done the uh, first the, lowlanders? The uh, the hot shots, the Yarnell hike. Have you done that one yet? No, maybe we that's on my that. list. Yeah, that's on my list to do once I get up and healthy. Yeah, that's a fairly long one. It's like yeah. seven seven miles. Yeah, I think it's about the same time, four or five hours. You know, round trip yeah. and you, you know the markers out there you stop and look at. So yeah, I think it's a you know half a day deal. Yeah, it's not the, the not the camelback that I usually do up and down, and you know you can get up yeah. and down in pretty about an hour if you're moving. Right, right. Oh, I kind of miss that. Yeah, even yeah. in the summer we hike. A, usually, me and the wife hike a lot, and yeah, I miss that. Yeah, you'll be right back at it before you know it. I know. <laughs> I know. 
better, come back better and stronger. That's right. All right, we'll record another podcast when you're healthy. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, brother. All right, my brothers and sisters, that's all we have for today. Special thanks to my boy, Brian Veda, for sitting down and taking the time out of his day to, to wrap with us. Uh, if you want to reach out to Brian on Instagram at the real Brian Veda, that's all one word, feel free to contact him there. If you would like to support the podcast, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Also, if you like what you're hearing or you don't like what you're hearing for that matter, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, like, subscribe. I can't make it better if you don't leave some feedback, so leave me some feedback. And if you want to reach out to me, I can be found on Instagram and Facebook at Fireground Fitness. You can also be reached on Twitter at Rain Gray at Fireground Fit. All right, man. Y'all keep getting after it. Get some. <laughs>